Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Friends, I'm so excited about today's episode. Today, we're talking about how our past experiences can point us to our purpose for the future. To talk us through this, I invited my new friend, Jamie Nato, onto the show. Jamie is a writer, a serial entrepreneur, she says, and an Instagram influencer who loves keeping it real. A few months ago, I received her book in the mail and it's called This Must Be The Place, following the breadcrumbs of your past to discover your purpose today. And I knew I needed to have her on the show to talk with us about this. In this episode, Jamie shares the story of discovering her unique identity by drawing on her past experiences and why she truly believes that God can use every part of our story, even the messy parts. Embracing her new identity has given her freedom to step into her gifts and live a more joyful and purpose-filled life. And she's telling us how we can do the same. I love this conversation feeling so inspired and encouraged, and I know you will too. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. 
Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done, and that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash friendship. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Friends, I'm so excited for who you get to meet today. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Jamie Nato. Um, Jamie, I am just so happy to have you on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? Yeah, I am a mother of four. I have been writing for forever when we had blogs. This is when we did something called a blog spot. And huh? I'm older than all of you. I'm elderly. So <laughs> I'm 42. And so now you have to listen to all my advice. Um, but... I've been writing and I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. I don't ever want to be bored. I love sales. I love Instagram as much as it's annoying. Um, And so I just started building a platform on telling stories and being really honest and slightly irreverent, Um, (laughs) especially because I came from such a fundamental like faith space that I was just like, I got to be myself. So... It turns out a lot of people liked that too. And so now I I get to do what I love. I get to write and and sell things and and do stupid, stupid videos on Instagram like Target Try-ons and ADHD hotline. And my husband is like, people like this? I'm like, shut up. So <laughs> we are thriving in our marriage. <laughs> 
<laughs> amazing. Amazing. Um, the stuff we do, right? Okay. I love that. You, um, oh, fun fact. Fun fact. Oh, fun do fact. Do not let me stop you. I have, um, I grew up with seven siblings, so family of 10. And um, the other one that scares people that I say, like all the teeth on my top teeth, they're all like fake. They're all crowns, veneers. Like I had to get a whole whole situation. I know you're like, wow, you really went from family of origin to dental care. That is that is literally what Girls Night is for and what the fun fact is for. And so you understood the assignment. Very good, very good. Um, okay, fake teeth, big family. Got it, got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, um, you have a book uh, that came out, when did it come out? In June. Yeah, it's kind of okay. new, but kind of not. It's like, you know. No, it's totally new, totally new. Um, and it's called This Must Be the Place. Um, and it's following the breadcrumbs of your past to discover your purpose today. And um, I was sent your book. I get a lot of books in the mail. It's kind of an occupational hazard when you have a podcast. <laughs> totally. um, and I missed out on getting to see it because we were, oh my gosh, I haven't told this. We were moving at the time. Maybe I will have announced that before <laughs> this comes out. We were moving. We're still in Nashville, everyone. We'll, I'll update you. Anyway, um, we were moving and so I missed it. Um, but I remember opening the package and it's just this really fun pink. Um, the cover's so fun. And I love this idea of, um, of looking at your past for direction for your future. And so um, I knew that we needed to talk and I'm so glad that you have time. Um, tell, me, tell me about the book. How, what's in it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's what happened. I think I, it, I wrote the book that I wanted to read. What happened to me was I was a young mother and in this like space, so it was like kind of like, I keep mentioning it, but like when you're in a really fundamental Christian, Christian space, you, you like assimilate to it because you want to belong. And what you had to do to belong in the space was like all of your identity was in your children and in your marriage. And if you were like, wanted to be cool, you, you stayed at home, AKA you're privileged, but <laughs> no matter that. Yes. But and so I did that and I went all in and I just lost myself in everybody else. And then when you kind of, I call it thawing out for motherhood. I don't know. I don't know when it happens, but, but you kind of like wake up one day and you look around and say, who am I and what, what am I really supposed to be doing? Like if I didn't think I had to be doing something and I should be doing something and they are doing this and they look like they're doing really good. Um, how, what am I apart from all of that? So it just sent me on this like big, big journey, not to mention my husband had cheated on me. And I, that just like, talk about your identity being stripped away from you. It's like, I'm apparently not a really good wife because why would he cheat on me? And my I'm not a really good mother right now because I can hardly eat and like shower. I'm so sad and everybody's having to take care of me. And so it was just this big bomb, like, okay, I need to figure out where where my true identity is and where I belong and be really rooted in that so that it's not dependent on my spouse or my kids or who anybody thinks I am. Like, who am I really in there? And so I just, I found I had to go pretty far back and figure out who I was. And that starts at like 
looking at who you were when you were an eight to 10 year old and what you were doing. And I think it's one of the most important questions that people can ask of themselves and have a hard time answering as it comes to find out. But I think that is such a breadcrumb of like, what were you doing when you had literally no worldly obligations? I mean, barring trauma and things like that. But when you are just your true self, what are you doing? And when I was asking myself this question, because I loved selling and I loved making money, not for like making money, but I loved what money could do. I liked what I could do in the community. I liked, I liked how you could move money to help people and change lives. And I, I was just annoyed with myself because I thought, why do I love selling so much? Why do I love the marketplace? This is so unwomanly and maybe ungodly. Like, whoa, who am I? So I was praying one day and I'm like, take, take this away from me, God. This providing for my family and like loving what I'm doing and thriving, which is really dumb prayer. And... <laughs> God was like, LOL. Um, I literally, this picture came to my head, what I was doing when I was eight. You know, people are playing house. You're you're playing school. You're playing doctor. You're digging around in the dirt. I don't know, like whatever you're doing. I did a little bit of all that. But mostly what I was doing, I was pulling a rusty red wagon around my neighborhood, selling rocks back to my neighbors. I mean, they were their rocks, but they were curated. They were incredibly... <laughs> They were the finest of Monroe Street. And yeah, were they elderly? Sure. Okay. (laughs) Did some of them have some memory issues? Maybe in hindsight. Um, (laughs) I was swindling my neighbor. Just kidding. Um, But they were buying them and I got to know all my neighbors and I would sit with them on the porch. And then I would go, my mom had zinnias in the front yard. And I said, mom, can I take some of these zinnia seeds, put them in a baggie like a drug dealer and take them around to to my neighbors. And they bought those too because they felt bad for me probably. But, you know, I just, I grew up on welfare and we, you, you don't, ask your parents for money, you have to go find money. And so there I am like hustling, turning nothing into something. And I loved it. And I felt like in that moment, I just got a huge permission slip to say, you've always been doing this and you thrive in this environment and like keep going. So that was like my breakthrough and kind of what the book, that moment is based off of. I love that so I love that so much. I um I wasn't selling rocks. I was selling like old junk from my bedroom to my sister who was much better at saving <laughs> money than I was. She was much better at keeping her allowance. Um and in 4th grade I had a I might have told this on the show before. I had um it was during the Beanie Baby craze. And yes. so recognizing an opportunity, I created Beanie Baby sleeping bags and Beanie Baby like leashes and collars. And it was called the Beanie Baby Stuff Store. Oh and, my God. But I couldn't sew. And so I outsourced the work to my mother who ha- was able to sew. And um, I got shut down in school because it was such a distraction. Uh, oh my gosh. See, you had a thriving, you're like an I know, I know, I know. Um, I love that though, because when you said... you. Because you didn't say like, I love business. I love entrepreneurship. You said, I love selling. And that reminds me so much of one of the things that I've always thought about when it comes to finding like your path in life is that the path that you're 
dying to walk down is going to look awful to other people. And that's how you know, like, we think like, well, everyone wants to do this or everyone likes this. And it's like, no, 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 no. Most people really hate selling things. And so the fact that you thrive in this is, that means it's a gift. And that's just, that's a perfect example. It's weird. And when I say people to that, say that to people, people are taken aback and like, whoa, you, I don't know if you should say that or if women should say that. I, I don't hear it a lot. And so I felt like I'm just going to say it because maybe there are women out there that love the marketplace too. And when I was, I had to teach a team, like when I was growing my, my businesses, I had a team of women who I'm teaching to sell. And I, I told them the only way that you can sell with integrity is that you do it the way you do it and you stay true to yourself. So if you want to be like educate, you want to use education as a way that you're going to sell. Do you want to use entertainment as a way that you sell? Like there are so many different ways, but the only way you're going to be able to sustain this and not burn out is to just literally be so grounded in who you are. And I'll tell you, women do not know who they are. They know a lot about their kids. They know a lot about their spouse. They know a lot about the Kardashians. They know a lot about like neighbors, but they don't know themselves because we've masked for so long. We have, um, we do things that other people, you know, we think other people would like us to do. Um, and so it's sad to me and I want to change it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to circle or like circle back around here. Cause otherwise I feel like everyone's me thinking about it. Can you, finish the story on what happened with your husband. Can I ask that? that okay? <laughs> I always do that. Like I, I'm like, yeah. And so he cheated on me. And anyways, do you want to talk about my dental health? Um, <laughs> like, I'm like, I we got to circle back around here. <laughs> I totally forget um, that people don't know our story. Maybe don't follow me. It has been just a really wild, miraculous, redemptive story. And um when that happened, I don't know, I would say it was, we were separated for a little bit and I went and got therapy for myself. I really unbuckled myself from his roller coaster. wild. I'm like, you, I don't even know who you are. We've only been married for two years. I had a toddler and a baby. And I was like, I don't know who you are. Like for you to do this, and especially in the environments we were in, like very churchy people and um, involved in everything and like a plus <laughs> Christians. Ooh, it's embarrassing. And I thought we were just like amazing for God. And it turns out my life just fell apart and we weren't and he wasn't. And I, I just said, I'm not, you, you go then the habit. And I am going to, I am going to get strong and I'm going to be strong on my own. And I don't even care if you come back. Like at first I did, but during being separated and, you know, you're learning to be a single mom and how do I do this? And how do I ask for help when I've never had to need this much help in my life? And it just, it was devastating, but I will tell you through that suffering, I became, a, I was stronger than I thought I was. And I... I became a, a different person in a sense. And so um, my husband did come back. It was like three months later and he 
totally changed. So I'll quit my job. I'll, I'm going to therapy already on my own. I'll go with you. I, for the rest of my life, like you can do, you can do what you want because I deserve that. But for the rest of my life, like you're it. And he was just a totally different person. And I said, fine, I'll forgive you, but it'll be an act of God, obviously, because my dad's an attorney and I was like, well, we're just going to have to take all your money and make you you miserable and I'll hold your kids hostage. Like, it's not like I was like this amazing, forgiving. I was like, yeah, I'm going to shank you. And, um, but, you know, it was like God's mercy that my life, life fell apart. And so, and so now I don't play the like Christian-y game anymore. Like I tell the truth. I tell it like it is. We tell our story a lot because I'm not interested in hiding. Um, just because maybe it it makes our ego it takes <laughs> it takes like ego hit. But I'd rather help other people and show them that there is hope. Either way, staying or getting divorced, you're gonna be okay on the other end. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. So okay, going back to the. Motherhood thaw, which I love that. You started to to look around and figure out like what, who am I aside from all these different roles that I've been filling? You said that you looked back to like what you were doing when you were like eight or nine. And I have two questions about that. One, I want to know if there's like what else, what other places you looked? And then also what you found from being eight or nine like you said, was not what you expected or didn't feel like an option really as a woman? Like, can you like sales as a woman? Like that doesn't seem, I don't know, people think think that's weird. Well, yes, you can. But how did you get, how did you like embrace that when you felt like what you found was not what, was not like an acceptable answer? Right. Well, I think what you're going to find when you look back, the book is full of just prompts. Like I tell you a story about my life and I say, you know, we're going to take a bird's eye view from this and we're going to call all these things breadcrumbs. And when I started to do that, I, I said like, oh, none of this is coincidental. So now life isn't just happening to me and not, oh, that just bad thing just happened to me. And I've moved on and I buried it and it's over here and I've moved on. Look at me. And I would say, you know, what if that there's actually buried treasure in that? So you look at my suffering, my marriage is a part of that story. And you say like, well, what's the good that can come out of here? But your suffering really makes you who you are. Actually, it, it provides a really unique empathy. Like you have a really unique empathy when you have suffered through something very difficult. So now when you see that happening or you see someone hurting or you see a single mother or you... Um, like my neighbors going through a hard time and I can see she's crying in the front yard and she's trying to hide it, but I can see something is going on. So I text her and say, Hey, I know it's rough. I, um, accidentally made enchiladas double and a margarita in this ball jar and I am putting it on your door and you can't say no. So just know it'll be there at five. I, it's like, I, and bossy about caring for others now because that's what I needed during that time. And just saying, you know, what was, what is the treasure in that? Yes, even suffering or it doesn't have to be suffering. It can be like 
what do you just do even when you're tired and you like, like, what do you, can you not help yourself from doing? And I have a bunch of things that are like that in my life. That's a breadcrumb. Looking at your childhood and, and the, the way that you grew up. I mean, my dad went to law school at 35 while, while we were so poor and no college education. He went to the local junior college to get his <laughs> bachelor's. And, you know, he's six kids at the time. And he had a dream. He wanted to be an attorney. And I, it's just like so audacious. Like this guy who is a volunteer firefighter and a tree trimmer is going to decide he wants to be an attorney. And watching my dad pursue that at that age. And then I watched my dad graduate from law school when my mom pulled us out. I was in middle school. And so you have our whole row is like all of us. Like we just look like Mormon or Catholic. Everyone asks that. I'm like, no, just my parents are crazy. <laughs> and those long, cold winters. <laughs> and, you know, watching my dad graduate and I look over at my mom and I said, mom, why does dad have decorations on? Like dad had, he had like colorful ribbons on, which I, we are just from, not that from being from Texas anyway, but we're from like backwoods, Texas. Like I don't have the language at this time to say what, what is, what are his decorations? I and don't my know what those said, are called. Like cords I, yeah. or like, Regalia? yeah, yeah, whatever. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, and my mom was like, oh, he just did real good in school, you know? And then it was, they said, we'd like to recognize the top 10 of our class. And there's my dad standing up. I mean, it's like, at, my dad at 41 is graduating law school and um, with his best friend who is blind and slightly deaf named Clay, who we taught to drive. That's in the book too. Um, <laughs> it was it was pretty not safe, guys. My childhood was not safe. Um, but I look back at that and what is that? What does that mean for me? Well, I just published a book at 41. I, like, I was taught at a young age that your crazy dreams can happen. And I watched my dad do it. Then I, look at me. I'm like literally doing the same thing. Not the same thing. I could never go to law school. But at 41, chasing some kind of big dream. And so I say like, look at your life and look at all the breadcrumbs and see where it's brought you. And when you do that, I think you live a very intentional, a very intentional life. And it's rare. It's rare to see somebody who's living so intentionally. I love this so much because I feel like this is, like you are so speaking my language with this. I've always felt this way about my experiences. I just have always like, paid extra attention to them feeling like this is going to come around at some point. I'm going to need this at some point. And that's, I mean, that's been the whole story of everything that I do. It started with, um, I worked, I took a part-time unpaid internship at a college ministry. And it was so cool because I, you know, I'd be getting coffee with a girl who was like a handful of steps behind me in life. And I mean, sometimes it was even like a step. I would have gone through something or had a hard phone call or had a weird thing that I had to figure out. And then like a month later, I'd be sitting across the table from someone and they'd be like, you know, the weirdest thing just happened, the hardest thing just happened. And I'd be like, uh, yeah, I have a, yeah, I have a particular empathy for this. And here's what worked for me. Um, Truly. And that's, I mean, that's like my whole job. That's my entire job now. Um, 
So I yeah, and even like even even directional missteps, like those are just as much an arrow as something that you excelled in, something that you do well in, something that brings you joy. Like, what about the things where you took a wrong turn? <laughs> like, you know, this didn't pan out the way that you thought. And what about those? But you already said it. It's like, everything will be used in some way. So like, maybe you spent all this time and money getting this degree, then you get into it and you're like, what? This is not what I thought it was, aka me as a teacher, a high school English teacher. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is torture. And so I like felt so bad because, oh my gosh, I just wasted all my parents' money. And, um, and I don't know what I'm doing and you know, what in the world, but what I learned in that, that season of like becoming a teacher and student teaching in particular, um, which I write about too, is I learned how to captivate an audience. I learned how to use entertainment to educate. I learned how to like command a room. I learned how to be responsible like for myself, you know, and for what lesson planning and having the vision, like the overhead vision, which is like, LOL, all my book is about is like, look at the bird's eye view. And I use all those skills to this day. So I think we need to just reframe things. So instead of calling something bad or that was dumb or oh, just a misstep, I think maybe reframe it. Like you said, how am I actually using that thing today? That is like, this is such an epiphany for me because we talk so often about like, I got this degree and I never used it. You know, I think the amount of, the the number of people who are actually working in the field that they set out to work in long-term from college, I think it has to be very slim. But like, so, so yeah, we look at it and we go, well, okay, well, why did I get this teaching degree? Because I'm not a teacher. And so I guess I'm starting over. But it's like, absolutely not. You're not starting over. You figured out how to teach people something. Like, that's huge. My degree's in journalism and I'm not a journalist, but I'm currently speaking into a microphone on video. Like, this is my degree totally. at work. And so I just, I, I really think that I've always had like, I don't know. I feel like we say it jokingly where we're like, you know, that degree was useless. <laughs> it's, but what if what we're looking, what if the things that we, the most important things we learned are more like soft skills or hard skills that fit into a different picture yeah. than the one that we set out, you know, to live yeah. on day one? It's a, you know, it's a better way to live. I think too, just where you look at things with gratitude because that's what you're doing. You're looking back at these things and you're actually, instead of saying like, you're pointless, that was stupid, that was wrong. You're actually looking back and saying like, thank you. Thank you for giving me a stepping stone into who I am today. I can look back even at my suffering. and I know this sounds crazy. I can look back at the affair and say, thank you. I would not be the woman I am today. I, I wouldn't, I absolutely, that changed how I parent, how I am a wife, my friendships, like how I see God, you know, it just, it changed everything for me. And I look back at it and I say, thank you. And do I wish it on everyone? No, <laughs> God, no. But we, nobody like prays and says like, oh God, please give me suffering so I can learn how to be near and so I can get a really good lesson. Nobody says that, but like, like the free gift that's of purchase that comes with life. Yeah. <laughs> right. Congratulations. You're a human. 